Lightning Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the UFC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is the sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you for joining us on our Orange Weekly podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate our podcast on iTunes. We are also now on Google Play and all types of other podcast listening devices, so please go out there and make sure you subscribe and rate. Here at Orange Weekly, we are all about football and football only. We do not discuss the politics. We are just football fans, so you'll not hear any of us talking about what player is going to be on the next season of Dancing with the Stars, only this week's matchup. Inside the minds of the players and coaches, and an in-depth look into what you should be expecting this coming week. This week, your Denver Broncos start a three-game road stretch, starting in L.A. versus a division foe who is now third in the division and the L.A. Chargers. The Chargers are 2-4, and four, coming off a big win versus the Raiders. Looking to keep the streak alive against us, your Denver Broncos. All right, Broncos country, let's do this. Off from a tough loss, but no better way to bring them back and bring them back in than the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm rocking orange, man. All right, Broncos country, here we are again, coming off of a pretty tough loss against a what, who, what was winless uh, New York Giants, uh, now have the one win against us, and there's been a lot of questions out there, and hopefully we can answer some of them for you going forward. We're not going to look back because that just doesn't help us at all, so we're going to go ahead and move forward. As always, I'm joined by Matt. How you doing, Matt? Oh, I'm doing good, Jared. How you doing? Uh, not too bad, not yeah, too bad. Still recovering from that tough, tough loss? Yeah, you know what? I still have a hangover, I think. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sure <laughs> I'm gonna make, many people do. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I move on, though. I think that's the big point here. So before we do that, we do have to go through our first segment in I Told You So. I told you so. All right. You can go ahead and start this one off. What did you tell us, Matt? Well, what did I tell you? I think um, there's a lot I could pick from. Um, definitely not the outcomes. I did say the Broncos would win. But again, any given Sunday, that's why football is so fun. Um, I would like to, however, choose my I told you so being that uh, Ben McAdoo actually gave away the play calling duties to Mike Sullivan. And when we were talking uh, during last week's podcast, we mentioned how we find it's very bizarre for a head coach to often um, call the plays. It happens on many teams, like uh, Mike McCarthy does it for the Packers, and they've been successful for a number of years. Uh, Sean Payton for the Saints does the same thing. But nevertheless, sometimes it's a bit bizarre for a coach to do that, and their offense have been struggling for weeks and weeks and weeks. And now McAdoo gave away the play calling to Mike Sullivan, and they won a game. So I think that's going to be my I told you so for this week, just given the little adjustment in their coaching style. Well, and not only did they win a game, but they won a game with no offensive weapons, really. 
I mean, we talked about that last week. They had nobody. They had no receivers. Their running back had put up no numbers all, all year, and all of a sudden they come in and beat the number one rush defense and one of the best defenses in the league in the Denver Broncos. Yeah, very true. They had zero receivers. They had Engram and Roger Lewis and uh, don't even know the other guys, so kudos <laughs> to them. Just, I think there was a total of uh, like 15 catches between all of them to, to start, all the receivers at least. To, yeah. to start the game so that kind of leads us into my i told you so in uh they would need to use engram everywhere they lined him up as a tight end they lined him up as a receiver he was a slot for a few plays they just made sure that they got him into space and it really shows what kind of athlete that guy is too and and i've been watching him since college he's been doing such a good job here in the pros and that's definitely someone down the line not just against the broncos that everybody needs to pay attention to is the tight end in evan ingram just a, an amazing athlete that leads us into our next segment in Who Would Have Guessed? All right. None of us would have guessed the score, so that being thrown out the window, <laughs> what else did you not guess, Matt? Well, I didn't guess that the Broncos would uh, not run the ball. Like, you know, we talked about how they had such a good running game. They were about 143 yards per game on the ground, and the Giants' defense weren't really strong against the run either. But they came out and they passed. Simeon threw for 376 yards, and they... Uh, the lead rusher for the Broncos was Jamal Charles with 19 yards. I don't understand really why they chose to pass. Maybe they panicked because they were down uh, earlier in the game and they just figured they had to pass in order to keep up with the game. But nevertheless, that's my uh, who would have guessed that the Broncos just didn't run the ball. So my I didn't see coming is Brandon McManus, who is still struggling to make field goals and, and seemingly easy field goals. And I feel like a lot of our momentum is lost when we miss field goals, especially on that first drive. You know, they scored on us. We drove down to try to kick the field goal, and then we missed. And it was we – don't, we don't know how to rebound from a missed field goal, and it's frustrating as a Broncos fan and I'm sure as a player going forward. So I definitely would have not have guessed that Brandon McManus would miss two decently easy field goals – the way that our offensive red zone efficiency has been going, we need Brandon McManus to really step up and start making those field goals, at least putting us on the board so that our defense isn't completely exhausted going on, knowing that we're not putting points on the board. Yeah, the uh, Broncos are actually averaging one missed field goal per game right now, which is uh, it's at the bottom of the league. That's, that's terrible, and especially with this kicking carousel that's been going around. It's been a lot of kickers have been getting moved around a lot. And I don't, I don't see that coming. I, you know, I definitely think that Coach Joseph's more of a, I, I found my guy. I'm going to stick with my guy. But at the same time, like he's got to feel like he's on the hot seat. And I feel like that's part of the reason that he's starting to miss some of these field goals. Because he was, before signing his contract this year, I mean, he was golden. Like last year, I think he missed maybe two or three all season. And now it's just kind of spiraling out of control a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and move into the next segment of your Orange Weekly podcast in Brain Games. We've already talked about who they are, where they come from. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, Ken Wisenhunt, all for the Los Angeles Chargers. And we're going to talk about what have they done so far this year and what we should look out for this coming game. So we'll go ahead and talk about the defensive side. Uh, what do you think Gus Bradley's done so far this year and what are they going to throw at us this week? Well, I think uh, the first thing we should mention is the fact that Gus Bradley's put together a defense right now. They're ranked 18th um, in yards per game, which is, you know, it's middle of the pack at 2-4. and four, It's pretty good. Usually a 2-4 and four team would be a bit lower on the defensive uh, side. However, um, in terms of passing yard per game, they're ranked 4th in the league. They've only, they're only allowing 186 yards of passing per game. But... 
big but on this one is the run yards per game is really down. They're ranked number 32, bottom of the league, with 153 yards against the run per game. So, you know, where does that issue come from? You know, where you can never really know. They seem to have a pretty good uh, front seven on the Chargers side. Um, the, you know, their DBs are really playing better than, you know, anybody expected. I think we can attest the... Uh, the strength of the passing defense to the pass rush they're getting. They got Joey Bosa, who's been playing lights out this year. And they got Melvin Ingram, who's been playing lights out this year. These guys are both excellent defensive ends, put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And in terms of what Gus Bradley is going to be doing this upcoming game, I think he's just going to keep using that formula. He's going to keep attacking the quarterback with his edge rushers. He's going to be using his linebackers in space. Jatavius Brown, the uh, will side linebacker, he's been playing really well. Um, last year, he's he was very sneaky in his stats. He was the number two ranked linebacker in terms of rookies, um, next to Deion Jones. Uh, so he's he's been quietly becoming one of the top players in this league at his position, and uh, I think he's going to be um, you know a big player in this game. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But nevertheless, I think Gus Bradley's going to keep doing what he's doing. Uh, they've had two wins so far, you know, back to back. So I think they got some good momentum right now. They're sort of finding finding their identity. Um, they're also putting together about three sacks a game on that defense, which is ranked number five in the league. So they, uh, they're producing pretty well on defense. Yeah, and I, I think that, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, what I see from the Chargers is that they spend a lot of money in trying to get Bosa and trying to get Ingram. Those guys are huge pass rushers, but as far as uh, defending the run being on the outside, they don't pull them into the middle at all. So a lot of their rushing yards are actually coming from the middle of the field and then breaking out uh, through trying to attack those middle linebackers. Yeah, that's that's pretty correct assessment. Um, they do have some you know some big boys up the middle, but nevertheless, it's. It's tough to, to stop the run of the middle in the NFL, um, especially given you know the fact that most of their strength is, is on the edge, like we just mentioned. Um, so I can definitely attest to the fact that you know they, they do struggle to stop the run of the middle, and um, it's hard to mask that as well, even with linebackers. You know you can only get so far when you're four yards you know behind the line of scrimmage. Um, so it's it's tough. It's kind of a personnel issue at this point. Mike McCoy needs to come up with a playbook to help out the tackles on the outside, especially with. You know, not having Manalik Watson and having Stevenson, who's probably going to be playing in because of the injury to Billy Turner. So we're going to have a fresh guy out there that's definitely not going to out-athlete these Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram types. So he needs to come up with a playbook that helps out his tackles when we are throwing and then gives the ball to our running backs over the middle to attack those middle linebackers. And I think that's what you're going to see from the Broncos offense going forward against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, I like to call it sort of a reverse play action where usually a play action is where you run, 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 fake the run and then pass, right? I think what Simeon should be doing this upcoming week is Simply the reverses of that, you know, come out of the game and start passing a little bit. Just attack quick passes, get these defensive ends to rush up the field, get the offensive line to start spreading out this defensive line, this pass protection, and then hit them with some draws right up the middle, right? So Simeon would go up, pretend to pass, and actually give the ball off to Jamal Charles, who's the perfect athlete for these kind of plays. And they can just, you know, scrimmage up the middle and get eight, nine yards at a time. Those draws can be very effective. Uh, screen passes, swing passes, and all that. Just get the defensive ends up the field and then get right underneath them. That's very effective against a good pass rush. I agree 100%. I think that's what we need to stick with. We need to stay on the ground. Our first four games, we spent most of the time on the ground, and that's where most of our efficiency was coming from. And I think, don't get me wrong, I still have a lot of faith in Simeon, but I think we need to 
take some pressure off of him and make sure that we're getting some of those yards on the ground. All right, let's flip the switch. We're going to go to the opposite side of the ball. So now we're talking about the Chargers offense under Kent Wisenhunt, who, again, coming off a two-game win streak and actually pretty productive offense recently against uh, Joe Woods and our Denver Broncos defense. So what have you seen from Ken Wisenhunt so far this year, and what are they going to try to throw us off our game? Well, I see a very uh, strong passing game this year. Uh, Philip Rivers has been playing really well. Um, he doesn't really seem to be losing um, you know, his talent as he gets older. They're ranked number four right now of yards per game through the air. Um, however, on old to overall yards per game, they're about 345, which is ranked number 14th in the league. Um, the big weakness that they do have on the offense, it mirrors what's going on the defense, but they're only averaging 79 yards per, um, per game on the run which puts them at number 31 in the league. So they have the worst rushing defense, and they seem to have the worst rushing offense as well, which is bizarre considering that Anthony Lynn used to be a very strong running back coach, and they have a guy called Melvin Gordon in the backfield who's a very strong running back. And we were, you know, pumping his tires earlier in the year, saying how good he's going to be, and you know, it hasn't really come out that way. So it, it's, it's hard to see what's going on. They have this great talent. Maybe they don't know how to use him. Maybe they're just playing catch-up all the time in their games. You know, if, if you're losing early, it's hard to stick with the run. Your ego wants to get to the pass and be more aggressive, so maybe that's what's driving that. Maybe the same time with a guy like Phillip Rivers. Eh, it's hard to take the ball out of his hands. Maybe he's calling a lot of audibles at the line of scrimmage. That's turning a run play into a pass play based on what he sees. You know, there's a lot of factors that are going into this. Because teams are coming in, they want to key in on Melvin Gordon. They want to, you know, stop him first. So if Philip Rivers walks in, he sees that there's a blitz coming. You know, you have to call an audible and you have to throw over that blitz. So I think he's doing a lot of that, which is causing the stats to be a little bit swayed. But nevertheless, I see Wisenhunt putting together a very strong passing offense. And unfortunately, a very weak passing, uh, sorry, running offense. However, there's there's definitely potential for improvement there. Um, it could be an offensive line issue as well. You know, we we have no way of knowing unless we're in that building. Um, based on what I've been seeing, I think that they're you know a, a, an offense with a lot of variety, and they're still sort of discovering who they are. I, I read one article recently that said the Chargers are playing 16 away games this year based on their their stadium and their fans and and their the, the people coming out to their games. So it's maybe it's a bit of that as well. You know, there's a lot going on in this building. There's a lot going on in this team, and uh, it's reflecting uh, on the performance as well. Yeah, so just a quick sidebar from that. I just want to let everybody know. Um, so I just moved to San Diego. I know you know this, Matt. But I tried to get tickets to this game, uh, the one in L.A., thinking that, you know, they can never fill their stadium. It's really tough to fill that stadium. And I would be able to get some, you know, decently priced cheap cheap seats up in up in L.A. But no, the, the cheap seats were going for $200. So I don't know what's going on up there. Or, and I, oh, I do now. I know why they can't fill their their building is because now they're trying to cater to a new audience in LA as well as charging them way too much for not being an established team really at all in that city especially in that city but even in general just they're, they're not an established team as far as a winning team so I don't know what's going on up there but I just want to let everyone know that the reason they're not filling the seats is probably because they're they're charging a lot for those tickets uh, on, on the bright side though I do know that there's a lot of Bronco fans going to this game so you might actually see more orange than blue uh, at least powder blue, baby blue, or ugly blue, I can call it. So uh, back to brain game. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. A lot of teams are using um, the flex system when it comes to ticket pricing. Like, I'm going to go see the uh, Detroit Steelers game next week, 
and it's same thing it's like 150 or 160 bucks per ticket and we're in the nosebleeds like way up there but it's against the Steelers and that was the most um, expensive game for the Lions this year so you know if the Chargers are playing against the Broncos a division rival you can definitely expect them to increase their yeah. uh, their ticket price for sure unfortunately yeah, I mean I can see increasing the prices but you're having trouble filling a stadium and you're charging everybody 200 for nosebleeds yeah. and it is a small stadium you know they're playing in a college stadium but still I was I was very surprised at that Sorry for the sidebar, but that's what we're going to expect out of Ken Wisenhunt in the L.A. offense and what they're going to go by. Now, Joe Woods is still running the number one defense as far as yards per game. Now, I just want to mention, obviously, coming off a loss, it's hard to see that the defense has done so well. But remember, they only allowed one touchdown, and that touchdown uh, came through the air as it, as the ball was already pretty much in their side of the field. They did allow a couple big drives, but that, that was it, just two or three big drives. Um, they only allowed one touchdown, three field goals, and one of the touchdowns was a pick six, obviously. But we are still number one ranked defense as far as yards per game, which is at 261, and we're still the number two defense in rushing yards per game. And I do want to mention, too, we still have not let a rushing touchdown happen against us so that speaks volumes as far as what our defense has been able to do with the lack of offense that we've been having now can we expect them to keep that up all season if our offense can still not score and put it in the red zone i don't think so however we're still playing at the elite level even though we're not winning the game so joe woods I, i'm not even going to say anything I, I think we just keep doing what we've been doing i've been stressing it all for the past four five games that we've talked about here on this podcast is that you know keep that cover two cover one man uh fill the holes in the middle we have the athletes to out athlete any offense and we have the corners to out athlete any wide receivers so why not play press man and you know every once in a while he likes to switch it up that's awesome every once in a while we get a good pick off of it but keep doing what we're doing and joe woods has not missed a step in taking over that defensive coordinator role so that was brain games. Obviously, we didn't talk too much about where they come from and who they are, but if you want to listen to more of who they are and where they come from as far as Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, and Ken Wisenhunt, go back and listen to our first podcast uh, when we first played the Los Angeles Chargers. So now we're going to go ahead and fast forward to some of these players that we've been talking about and survival of the fittest. We've played them once before. We know who can beat us. We know who can't beat us. Who do you think is going to have a big game against us and who needs to have a big game against us in order for them to even be uh, a possibility of winning? Yeah, I think Joey Bosa is going to have a very big game. Um, given like we, I think we've mentioned before, Menelik Watson's hurt. He's going to be out. Um, yes, Garrett Bowles on the left side is a very strong tackle, but expect Bosa to move over to the left end and play against whoever's replacing Menelik Watson. It makes the most sense for him. Um, I also see Jatavius Brown, the linebacker. I mentioned him before having a big game. He's a young guy. He's a little bit under the radar, but he's number four right now in the league for tackles uh, at linebacker. So he's, he's performing quite well, and I can see him being really all over the field. Jason Verrett, he's been out for a couple weeks. I think he's out for the rest of the year, unfortunately, with uh, an ankle or a knee injury. I'm not sure on the details on that, but there's Williams, the other cornerback. He's a bit untested. He's a newer guy. He's playing opposite Casey Hayward. I think he's another guy that's, uh, that's going to step up quite big in this game because Emmanuel Sanders is hurt, and I'm sure you're going to be talking about that in a few minutes, so he's going to be playing against somebody new as well. And um, somebody who needs to step up, Melvin Gordon. I know it's he's the superstar on the team. Uh, you know, it's, it's maybe a bit useless to mention because it's pretty obvious, but nevertheless, being the number 
32 running offense, or sorry, number 31 running offense, is, you know, you need to step up. We mentioned last week, Giants running back needed to step up, and this week, same story. The Chargers running back, Melvin Gordon, needs to step up and really carry this team on his back. Uh, they're playing against a very strong run defense, but nevertheless, establishing the run in this game is going to be key. Yeah, and I, I know we mentioned a little bit, but we really don't know what the ineffectiveness of Melvin Gordon is. Is it because they're you know, they're going down so fast because the defense hasn't really been stepping up or they're just getting away from him and trying to get put the ball in Phillip Rivers' hands. Like, what do you think is the biggest reason for Melvin Gordon not putting up the stats that we know as an athlete he can? Well, I think it's just a system thing, to be honest. Like, Ken wasn't on. He was a uh, an air centered offensive coordinator and head coach and it really his his whole history um last year i mean they had a pretty strong running offense but nevertheless it wasn't necessarily a top unit he just has a really good athlete at running back and i think it's it's simply a system thing and i think what happens when you have a guy like philip rivers as your quarterback you're bound to pass more just because of of his talents um and you know the chargers have been performing you know, quite well this year, unfortunately, even though they've lost four games. Like, they lost the first one by three, lost the second one by two. Uh, they got blown up by Kansas City, lost by 14, but they lost the Eagles by two, and uh, they beat the Giants by five, and then uh, they beat the Raiders by one. So they've been in really close games all year. Uh, and it's just a matter for them of, of, you know, getting over that hump. And I think a way of getting over that hump is establishing the run in the game. It eats up the clock. And make sure that you get plays in and make sure that the players get warmed up and they're playing hard and they've got something to lean on if ever there's an incomplete pass or if there's an interception or a change of momentum, you can always go back to the run to slow down the game. So I think it's something that they really need to jump on in order to get it going. And whether it's a system thing, whether it's Philip Rivers calling an audible, whatever it is, it needs to to change because they're they're not going to win or keep winning if they, if they don't run the ball and that's just a, a fact of football. I don't count them out in any way shape or form. Right now they're number 31, but later in the season they could be number 14, 15 because all they have to do is give him the ball a couple times, get him a big few big breaks and we've seen what he can do. So that's definitely something that we're going to have to look Absolutely. out for. Absolutely. I mean, unless you're the Browns, the only place you can go is up, <laughs> right? So, I mean, the, the Chargers really have a good chance of getting better. And it's just a matter of yeah. trusting the system, trusting the running game. You know, I, I don't know if they're feeling just anxious all the time. I don't know what it is, but usually a team that doesn't run is a team that's disorganized and doesn't really have a, a strong plan on offense. They're a bit more sporadic, reactive, and, and anxious to score, which is never necessarily a good thing. On the Broncos side, we're going to talk about who needs to have a big game, who's going to have a big game. The first thing I want to mention is, and I know we talk about this every week, but Von Miller, the ends versus the tackles, obviously. So it's Von Miller and Shaq Barrett versus the Chargers uh, offensive line, who has been less than stellar, I'd say. I don't want to say that they've been bad because they've actually been okay, but against Von Miller and Shaq Barrett, we really need to force him into those three and three and mediums, three and longs to make him throw the ball. The other thing too for Shaq Barrett is that we now have Shane Ray coming back next week against Kansas City, so he needs to have a huge game to make sure that he's getting the, the reps that he's getting right now in the normal game when Shane Ray comes back. They need to be switching him in and out. If he wants to keep that starter spot, he really needs to have a step up and have a huge game. If not, Shane Ray is going to come back and get all the reps that he's been taking for the first few games of the season. On the offensive side, I want to mention is Simeon seems to be on the hot seat if you go onto social media. However, he's not in any sort of hot seat as far as it goes with Mike McCoy or with Vance Joseph. So the biggest thing is 
we need to have faith in our quarterback and our quarterback needs to start having a little bit more faith in himself because I think that's what's happening. He's starting to get down on himself and he's starting to realize like, oh my gosh, I need to make better decisions. He does need to make better decisions. However, we need to ride him. We need to let him know that we're behind him and he's going to take our team wherever we end up going and he's still our leader. All right, that is our survival of the fittest. And make sure you guys watch out for those players going into this game. And hopefully we are 100% right, as we always are, going into this game. Every week, man. So every week. Just calling everything. So next up. Rain Man this week. All right, so Rain Man this week, we get to have a little fun, and we get to try to guess the score of the game. Now, I will mention that neither one of us got it right last week because of, well, you know, I, I don't really want to mention it, but I got pretty close, just flipped. So, Rain Man this week, what you got for me? Well, man? I'm going to still use my uh, little spreadsheet here. It's, it hasn't helped me win a week yet, but it's only the second week using it. So, uh, I'm going <laughs> to use it again. Um, it says right now 22-19 win for the Broncos, but that's a weird score in football. So, I'm going to go ahead and say 21-17 for the Broncos. It's going to be a very close game. It's going to come down to whoever has the ball last, I think. And it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be exciting. Yeah. So I, I actually going into this podcast, I wrote down twenty one thirteen. So you're talking twenty one seventeen. But I also realized that we have a lot of issues getting into the red zone. So I'm guaranteed that we have at least one field goal going into this game. So I'm actually gonna change it up. I think I'm gonna go with um, twenty four to thirteen. I think we are gonna keep them to only one touchdown. Still. And this is going to be my early call of the game. We're not going to let up a rushing touchdown again. So going now six games in without a rushing touchdown. Famous last words. <sighs> I hate doing this because anytime the Broncos lose, I have to give it yep. to you, Matt. Like even even though you know you thought that the Giants were going to get their butts kicked too. Don't even don't well, even no. try to to play. The it, entire but... football world thought that the Giants would get their butts kicked. You know we're not uh, we're alone oh, in this. Oh, that's so true. Oh, absolutely not. So we'll pass the blame on to them. It's their fault. So (laughs) we lost, and you get the famous last words. Oh, thanks, sir. I think all I have to say right now is that this is a big division game. It's the second time the Chargers are playing uh, the Broncos this year, and it's a must-win, an absolute must-win for the Chargers and for the Broncos. So this is going to be a very competitive game on the field and preparing for this game as well. So make sure you're tuned in to watch this one. There's not a whole lot to say other than expect a few big plays from uh, Philip Rivers. He's going to get the ball in the end zone once or twice and uh, maybe this is going to be the game where Melvin Gordon steps up it's going to be tough against the number one ranked defense but it's still a high potential there in terms of the Broncos it's going to be Sac City I think for uh, Trevor Simeon he's going to get a little bit bruised up so uh, even though I'm calling the Broncos to win this game I still think that the Chargers are going to be very competitive in this game as I said is a must win so it's going to be very good to watch so I know that you were supposed to have last words but you better knock on wood because a lot of us do not want Osweiler to be coming in if Simeon gets hurt I don't think Osweiler wants to be going in if Simeon gets hurt man he's he's looking skittish All right, well, thanks again, Matt. As always, I have a lot of fun with this. Thank you guys all for listening. And like I said at the beginning, please, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate our podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud, on all the other crazy podcast sites that we're on. And thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting us here at Orange Weekly. And as always, go Broncos. Orange, man. I'm riding on, man.